previously on the Enneagram journey. They were nice. I mean, that, that, that's it. I mean, mittens are nice. <laughs> okay, rock. Hard place, me. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're so funny. <laughs> it's really funny. Well, I wouldn't want to be there when, when the laughter stops. <laughs> whoa, whoa, back up there, Sparky. What did you mean by that? Well, it just seems as though that maybe you have intimacy issues, you know, that you use your humor as a way of keeping people at a distance. Huh. I've named my inner critic. That's helped me to know when actually that's my inner critic and not the people around me criticizing me. I named her Bela Gulvig. I chose the name because it sounds similar to my first name, Bela and Becky, and because my husband and I can kind of laugh at the name. So we can talk about Bela and say, oh, Bela's really negative and she's, she's not right and she doesn't have any facts in her criticisms. I don't know this one. Oh, this is my friend, Roger. Hey, hey, good to meet you, Roger. You too, sir. What happened to the uh, puppet guy? <laughs> Dad, uh, oh, oh, <laughs> excuse me. So, Ross, uh, how's the wife? Uh... <laughs> oh, for two, huh? <laughs> uh, Chandler, quick, say something funny. Hi, Joel and Suzanne. Hi, my name is Art Wimberly. Hi, my name is Lauren. Hey, Suzanne, my name is Brad. Hi, Suzanne, my name is Chelsea. Hi, my name is Mark. Hi, my name is Sarah. Hi, my name is Nicole. Hi, my name is Rachel. And hi, my name is Joel, and you are listening to the Enneagram Journey Podcast with the Enneagram Godmother, Suzanne Stabile. Today is a very well-balanced Q&A episode. We've got seven questions, and we're going to talk about all nine numbers. Plug time before we start the episode. There's a lot going on at LTM. LTM is accepting applications for the three 2023 cohorts, the Enneagram cohort with Suzanne, the contemplative cohort with Hunter Mobley and the Reverend, and the family systems experience cohort with Suzanne and the very good Reverend Dr. Andy Stoker. Visit lifeinthetrinityministry.com or click on the link in the show notes for more info and to apply. Next up, we've got From Intentional to Intuitive. It's just around the corner. Using Enneagram wisdom to find healthy relationships with anger, fear, and shame, and a balance in thinking, feeling, and doing. What might that look like? Come and find out with Suzanne, August 4th through 6th. You can join us in person in Dallas at FUMC Dallas, or join us from anywhere online. That's going to be August 4th through 6th. Don't want to miss it. The Enneagram Journey Towards Wholeness is on fire. I'm actually in Denver right now recording this. In August, we'll be in Birmingham, Alabama. In September, we'll be in Charlotte, North Carolina. October, we're headed west for San Francisco. Sign up and join us. These weekends are just a blast. And I've said this before, but everyone leaves saying that is exactly what I needed to hear. So come and be a part of that. Come hear what you need to hear. You can find more information and links for all these and more at lifeinthetrinityministry.com, a place for solitary work that cannot be done alone. Now, let's get to Suzanne's favorite method of teaching, question and answer. Uh, let's get back to the matter at hand, and that is that today is Q&A. People have sent in several questions, or people have sent in a lot of questions. Yeah. 
we're going to answer some of them. Um, there's no real rhyme or reason. We just can't answer every single one. Right. And uh, here's a few that we're going to answer. There is one that I'm going to read that was really good. I like hearing other people's voices. So let's just go ahead and start first with... Hi, Joey and Suzanne. Um, I'm going to be staying anonymous, but I am an Enneagram 7 Wing 6, and I'm going to try to make this under my two seconds. We'll see if I can do that. But um, I just have a question um, about how other numbers perceive and like handle um, when sevens are like emotional. (laughs) I am an emotional person, but I... I'm just so good about doing it in secret and doing it in hiding because uh, growing up, just like a lot of like almost shame around being sad. Like you should not be sad. Like this is, there's nothing to be sad about. Like, you know, why are you being upset about this? And so I am just like growing up because of that like mindset in my head, I've just never been a super upfront emotional person. But something happened um, a few days ago where I was really um, upset about something. And I, um, a few minutes later, I'm with family and it's very apparent that I had been crying. And um, I had family members like ask me like, are you doing okay? Are you all right? And then like the next day and the day after like kept asking me and I was like totally fine. And, um, I just would like to know like, how do other members perceive sevens when they're upset? Like, does it seem like we're going off like a mental edge or like, what is it? So anyway, thank y'all so much for y'all's Q and A's. And I just really appreciate it. How do you feel perceived when you're having feelings? It's different for different people. I can always tell Whitney just gets excited. <laughs> oh, she there's loves a feeling it. in the house. Yeah. <laughs> Stick with it, Joel. Go on. Follow <laughs> it through all the yeah. way. And then, you know, if there are people that aren't used to, you know, it's like you say, when you start doing some work or start doing something different, you know, people can kind of be unnerved by that. Yeah. And I think a seven showing, you know, she said there, that she has, she's an emotional person or she has lots of emotions. Everybody does. Like three, sevens, and eights have plenty of emotions mm-hmm. uh, or, and feelings. And, you know, there's, there's a difference between emotions and feelings uh, that you articulate better than, than I do, of course. But, and then it sounded like she's a seven that was raised by sevens or raised in a. Yeah, people who are very thrown by feelings. I catch myself not being that person to my children. Mm-hmm. Because it's easy, it's easy for me to say to my family, I should even, that includes Whitney, you know, saying, you don't have anything to be upset about here. Mm-hmm. You don't have anything to be sad about. So that's got to be a double whammy to be a seven raised in yep. a seven environment, mm-hmm. whether they're sevens or not. She's spot on about keeping the emotions and feelings to yourself. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. that's how I, you know, I don't think... People get to see a whole lot of emotion from me, especially in feelings, I guess, more importantly. If if it comes up in a public place, I'm like, this is not the space for that, is what I say to myself. Mm-hmm. And that's good for other people. If other people want to like cry in public, mm-hmm. I got, I was telling you earlier, I got a text message during church on Sunday. Uh, and it was right when church started, people, so it's not like I was on my phone yeah. texting. And I didn't reply till later. And like, I wanted to cry. Sure. And... Like, a, you know, I like kind of fought back a tear or two, had to wipe a couple away. And mm-hmm. I know I get 
unnerved being around lots of feelings lots of feelings yeah, it's so, like breathtaking so whether you're a seven or not that's how yeah. i react yeah i wonder do you convert emotions into something that's better for the moment like are you that good I think it depends on what the emotion is. I think some emotions and feelings are easier to convert Mm -hmm. than others. Mm -hmm. One of the things I wouldn't want to come from this, so I'm going to speak to it, is there are times when I would say, uh, let's say today, when I see Dad and he says, well, how was your day? Good. How's Joel? Today it's not true, but some days it would be, well, he's good. He's a little off today for some reason, but he's good. I don't want people to assume that a little off today means that sevens are hiding feelings today. Like that you were having feelings. Like there's a big difference in. It's just how you react to what is going. Sorry, I just bit my tongue. To what is going on. (laughs) (laughs) Talking about feelings has got me all sorts of off here. I'm all whipped up. (laughs) On a day such as that. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to talk about it. Right. And we have a job to do. Right. Let's do our job and. I will be in the best mood that I can be in. Yeah. And then we're going to yeah. go back about it. And eventually I will be over whatever it is that's got me uh, acting a little off. Yeah, you know, I'm doing some work preparing for August. And um, I'm I'm thinking about sevens a good bit right now. Like that's just what I'm working on. And I'm wondering if there are more or deeper or broader or I don't know what that descriptive word is expectations for sevens than for any other number it's like you have a way you sevens you representing all of them have a way of kind of being what we need when we need it and i wonder if we just expect you to fill that role so if for your whole childhood for your whole life for your whole family which is there's a lot of us if we expect you to carry the moment for us by doing your thing as a seven. I think in this example that it maybe isn't seven specific. Um, I think Joey has that same role in her family. Mm-hmm. And then she and I kind of share that role in our greater family. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's aggressive stance yep. related. And also maybe some people just have that role in their family. You know, we... Oldest might, daughter, oldest son. This might be a thing for to talk to Andy, Andy about, about at yep. some point. Of you know, he talks about when you get back together with your family. Mm-hmm. You know, the without doing work and on a, on like a pretty big level. Yep. You know, everyone just reverts back to their roles from childhood, and that was kind of mine and Joey's role since we were kids. Yep. One doing stuff. Yeah. And two. Providing a lot of energy. Yep. Yep. Or a different energy than what's in the room. That's it, I think. I think what people are looking for from sevens is a different energy. And I don't like that there's that expectation. Like I I'm I'm not happy with knowing that I've done that. You know, like I I can remember with with Joey uh when she told me something great. When she told me something great when she was a kid. I can remember saying, well, of course you did, instead of congratulations. Like, that's expectation just written all over it. I've never thought about that, and I do that to 
all of my kids. Yeah. And maybe one specifically. Yeah. And I didn't realize, I've never thought about that. Yeah. I thought it's me being proud of them. Like, I know you're awesome. Yeah. So yes, you did something awesome. I know you're yeah. awesome. But I think it may come across as, well, yeah. Yeah. Like what else is new? Got any news for today? So you were great again? Right? Like I, I, I think we don't even know the expectations that we have for people. I do think in uh, Anonymous, she didn't give us her name ever. I do think there's clearly family expectation that she is not. I don't know if it's that she's going to be a certain way with them, but there is an expectation that she's not going to be this other way with them. Yeah. And that's two different things too. Teach them. Yeah, that's what changes good sometimes. And I just got to make only, I think, my second pop culture reference today. (laughs) I feel sure it's the third. But when you were talking about uh, Seven's changing the mood and changing the energy, I really thought of uh, there's an episode of Friends where they're all pretty down because uh, Phoebe's dating a a therapist or a psychologist, and he's kind of got them all pegged, and he's talking about Chandler. And he's like, you know, I hate to be there when uh, the laughter stops. <laughs> and so then Joey's dad comes in and he's talking to him. He's like, hey, how's the wife? And he's saying all this stuff that is just not uh, not landing. And he yep. finally looks at Chandler. He's like, Chandler, quick, make a joke. And Chandler's dealing with. Yeah, but yeah. exactly. That's it. Exactly. It's like, this is awkward. So fix it. And it's on a seventh to either do the monkey dance mm-hmm. or do something different. And sometimes a joke is called for. Absolutely. And one doesn't exclude the other. You, you don't have to show up with all your spiritual work every time. Yeah. And you can't. Not a chance. Yeah. And yet, if one person in the system does something different, then the whole system messes has up to the whole adapt. Mobile. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a lot of hope in that. Yeah. That means only one person has to be doing the work to get it started. Great lead off. Here we go. All right, this is Leah. Hi, my name is Leah. I'm an Enneagram One, and I've known that for a few years now. I have not named my inner critic, which I know that I should, but I'm looking for some advice on how to go about doing that. The voice that I hear is definitely mine. It's not someone else's, Um, but I don't Really, I've heard of people naming their inner critic their own name, and I don't really want to do that because for me, that feels like it's reinforcing the idea that I'm bad if I say my name when it's the thing, like saying all these negative thoughts to me. But I don't have another name that I would rather go with either. So any advice you can give would be really helpful. I know Suzanne says you should name something and stick with it, and so in typical one fashion, I'm kind of feeling a little clammed up trying to go about picking something because I don't want to pick the wrong one. So any advice you could give would be really helpful. Thanks so much for all you guys do. I'd be curious if that's a common theme amongst ones when their inner critic is their own voice. Whitney, uh, we just did posted today, actually, when we were recording um, the Enneagram ones for the Know Your Number series on the table and she and Justine were talking and Justine's voice I forget what Justine's answer was but Whitney's like it's my voice that I hear Mm -hmm. and she also kind of can't find a name for it or has chosen not to and I think it's probably because of that if I had to guess 
I think it has to be a name that is representative of something for you. Like, um, we know of a young one who chose a name of a political figure that, according to her, talks all the time and never tells the truth. And she chose that name because this person talks all the time, according to her, talks all the time and never tells the truth. And so that's gold in terms of choosing a name. Um, Cindy, who is a volunteer here with us, who's a retired psych nurse, chose Nurse Ratchet because it connects to her and her field, but it's not the kind of nurse that she was, is at all. And so I think you need to broaden the story beyond the name. You need the name to represent something that you don't agree with and don't like and don't trust. And if you can get that piece done, it won't matter what the name is. It can be a neighbor from when you were five or... I think it was like making up a name that just, you know, takes a little bit of the edge off. You know, Dillface McCracken. You just yeah, yeah. Some I can sort see of... how that would work for you, but not for Whitney. <laughs> you might offer her that option, I'm gonna but I, her, yeah, yeah, I bet you are. Leah, if you don't want Dillface McCracken for yeah. your uh, critics in her name, I'm going to ask Whitney if she wants that. Uh, uh, Leah, I feel sure you can have it because I know Whitney's not going to want it. There are two people out there that can have the same name. That's so. absolutely right. <laughs> I think it's what the name represents and not the name. Hi, Suzanne. My name is Jessica. I'm a longtime listener, first time caller, and I am an Enneagram 5. I am wondering if you have advice for Enneagram 5s who really struggle to be part of larger groups. I assume that is a common struggle for Enneagram 5s. And frankly, I don't often join larger groups. However, because I have young kids, I really am trying to be more involved at my church. But I really struggle with some people. And I really like other people. (laughs) Um, But the ones who just expect too much or ask too much. Or if you don't come to every event, they make snide comments to you the next time you're there. And it really just diminishes your desire to show up. Um, I don't know. I just, I need advice for that. Though now that I'm saying this out loud, it makes me want to just find another, another church. So now that I've heard myself, I'm I'm gonna change churches. Man, I love everything that she said. I did too. Let's start with this. Don't discount finding another church. Like, don't. I'm I'm not saying you should find another church, but I don't think you should just set that aside. Like, well, that's silly. Because if that led you to that thought, then I think you should explore that. So that's the first thing. The second thing is. I, Joel, I don't know how often we talk about the mantras, but they're just golden all the time. And so the thing I would say is that you need, if you have decided, you've made a decision based on thinking and not feeling, for the most part it sounds like, which is typical for your number. And you've decided that you want to be part of a larger group primarily for your children. 
So you have a really great motivation that will uh, keep you trying when if it was just for you, you probably wouldn't do it. And recognize that all you're responsible for is showing up at the church, paying attention to what's happening, telling the truth. And then you've had your experience and your children have been there. And it's, this is the hardest of all. It's hard for everybody all the time, so it's not going to be easy. But don't get attached to how other people perceive that or what other people say. And don't focus on the things that don't motivate you to come back. What you focus on determines what you miss. So rather than focus on the snide remarks and the people and that you don't connect to and all that, focus on how did the kids experience the time and give yourself credit for showing up to do something that's hard for you and that you kind of don't like to do in the beginning and paying attention to where you might could have a part and telling the truth when you don't want to teach vacation Bible school to four-year-olds or whatever your thing would be. I'm guessing that would hit home. And, you know, give yourself credit for doing what you're doing, for the reason you're doing it, and ignore the people who aren't giving you the feedback that you feel like you need, and don't let those people be your excuse for giving up the whole thing. I don't think finding a church home where you're comfortable is easy, and... I think you owe it to yourself and to your children to find the right church. Unfortunately, the things that she's struggling with, you don't find out in three Sundays, yeah, right. right? Yeah, unfortunately. All right, we got Jennifer. Good luck with that, by the way. I feel like that was kind of a, a roller coaster of... Well, it was a very vulnerable question to ask, and it's it, it's very tender, you know, when a five mom is trying to do the right thing, and it costs her a lot. Yeah. To go do that and talk about things she probably isn't interested in and and all of that. One more thing I would I would say that might be helpful is when you do go to one of those uh, activities or one of those events at the church, look for the people who are not in the middle of what's happening. Like look for the people who are kind of standing back or who are in the kitchen or who are on the margins because those are your people. And go get to know them instead of trying to hang with the person who greeted you and said, oh, we're so glad you're here. Have you been sick? We haven't seen you in a few weeks. Just ignore that person. All right, we got a question here from Jennifer. Hi, Suzanne. I'm an Enneagram 4. My husband is an Enneagram 5. We are currently juggling a really busy life with three kids under five and heavy workload, and I'm a stay-at-home mom, which gives me a lot of time to ruminate um, in very unhealthy ways at times as a four. Um, And my question is about fours and fives and how we can strengthen our relationship, especially when we both withdraw. Um, I'm 100% for self-growth, and my husband is less interested because of the time it takes and energy um, as a five that he wishes to conserve. So if I understand him, but he's not willing to do the work himself, how can we grow as a couple? And also, is it possible or healthy for me to act as the kind of compassionate understanding one in the relationship, which a lot of the Enneagram has given me, or 
is it better that I communicate all of this directly with him? But then I come across as really intense and domineering, and that scares the five. So just any help would be really appreciated. Thank you so much, Suzanne. Bye. And you can hear the you hear the one of the babies in the background. In the background. Man, yeah, she's, got, she's got, it. got it all happening. Yeah, yeah. She got a full load. Okay, Jennifer, let's start with this idea. Uh, don't ask him to read a whole book. Ask him to read a chapter in a book that you think is important for y'all to talk about as a couple. Um, bring up the fruit of your work and try to share the fruit with him instead of the journey and all the things that got you to the fruit and see how he responds to that. Um, I, my husband's a nine, not a five, but also a withdrawing number. And I just reread a book that I read a number of years ago. That is so important to me. I, I, it, on a very personal level, it's the most important book of my adulthood. And he's got a really full load uh, himself. He's got a lot of work to do at the church and here at the Micah Center, and he's just full. And so I, in reading it again, marked the places in the book that I wanted him to read so that we could talk about it instead of asking him to read the whole book. And that works. That works. And the thing that you have to think about in terms of fours and fives is even though you're both withdrawing numbers, you're very, very different from one another. And in that difference, what is inspirational and motivational and important and spot on for you in terms of spiritual growth and personal growth will not likely be the same thing that works for him. And so I think you have to do a lot of observing him. What catches his attention? What is he interested in? Where is he growing? So that you don't try to get him to have your experience. Because he can't. He just can't. What do you think about them doing a little Merton stuff together, Joel? You think that would be a... Merton's the man. So there's, there's yeah. no one who can't benefit from Merton. Yeah. That's a tough spot to be in. Just in general, for both of them. And the thing that I'm surprised you didn't say, you know, is one thing that you should find time for is couples therapy. As someone who's going through it and has been going through it for about a year now, it's dynamite, especially when you don't know how to, it's a safe space to ask some questions. Mm -hmm. And uh, she asked there towards the end, you know, should I go the compassionate understanding route or should I? workshop that with a therapist That's in right. the room. That's right. And kind of find out which one which way lands. Mm -hmm. And I loved what you said about, you know, don't ask him to read a whole book, but I think it's fair to ask like what can you give me? Mm -hmm. Like what time and energy can you yeah, give? I, to this. I yeah, I understand, but what what can I have? Yeah. And then take and then take whatever that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, uh my mom was a 5 and the work I love the most that I do is Enneagram work. And I do all kinds of other things too, but it's it's the thing I love to teach the most and it's my life's work. 
And when my mom was still alive, she would go to a women's retreat with me. She would go anywhere where I wasn't talking about the Enneagram, but she wasn't going to do Enneagram work. And she, her answer was, because you already know more about me than I want you to know. And I think growth, personal growth, feels threatening to fives because it comes with a vulnerability and an exposure that they have not practiced as children and young adults, and they're just not comfortable with. It's like, I don't, I don't want to tell you how this makes me feel. I haven't thought about this long enough to tell you what I think about it. I don't want to be put into some little group with people who love Merton. Like, I, whatever it is. It doesn't match up with self-reliance. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. I think you just have to be aware that you're asking for a lot of vulnerability and the ask on your side is a four is not there. Like you, you're all about it. And you know, there's just a huge difference in being feeling dominant and being thinking dominant. And that's the thinker of all thinkers and the feeler of all feelers. Mm-hmm. So it's just a, it's a significant disconnect. Oh, and there's three kids running around. Yeah. So. There's Under five? Is that what you said? I believe so. I, I don't know. Like, uh, the things I'd be praying for all day wouldn't have anything to do with spiritual growth. <laughs> Could I just go to the bathroom by right. myself? <laughs> Please. We'll be thinking about you, Jennifer. All right, we got Ashley G. Hey, Suzanne and Joel. Um, I had a quick question about mistyping. So I've been doing the Enneagram work for about six months now. I'm pretty new to it. Um, and... I'm kind of the only one in my friend group deeply diving into it. And so your podcast has been so imperative in sort of my my solitary journey because um, it can't be done alone. And, you know, I just knew I was a one um, after doing some of the work. Uh, it's the anger kind of thing that I've identified with, um, the inner critic, and just that feeling of not being good enough. Um, however... And listening to the podcast with threes, I was just singing hallelujahs and amens to some of the things they were saying because I just resonated so deeply with that as well. But when I was kind of doing the litmus test and seeing, you know, I still think I'm a one. However, you said that ones and nines tend to be the most likely to mistype. And I don't have any, I don't see that at all. (laughs) So, um, I was just curious if you could kind of speak into that and kind of explain why a one and a three, you know, why that might be confusing for someone to mistype. Thank you so much for your podcast. I can't tell you how meaningful and wonderful your wisdom um, has been in my life. So thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Thank you for your question. There are, uh, let me clean up the one and nine thing a little bit. So if we took a million people, we would have more struggle between ones thinking they're nines and nines thinking they're ones than another any other combination. But that doesn't mean that that happens all the time and it doesn't happen to a lot of ones and it doesn't happen to a lot of nines. It's just a very tricky place because of wings. So now let me talk about one and three. That's a fairly easy thing to understand why you would be confused about that. And here are some of the reasons why. Ones set goals, short-term and long-term goals, and so do threes. Ones, however, 
don't move forward without a great deal of thought. And threes go ahead and move forward. They just are able to clean up little messes or put out fires as they spark and keep moving forward. Ones um, struggle with, I don't know if I can accomplish this. Three's question is, how am I going to accomplish this? So it's not like threes wake up and say, I got this done. And ones are thinking, I don't know if I can do this. But it is, I've got what it takes to do this, is how threes think. And so I'm going to move ahead with it. And ones are still saying, what's going to go wrong? What's it going to cost? And then they've got the critic. And, you know, the big, the big deal is the critic. Threes do not have an inner critic. They're not hearing a voice in their heads that says, you're not good at this, you're not doing a good job, you, that isn't happening. What they do hear is, that person over there is slowing down the whole project, and it's never the three. So be aware that that critic is just not something that threes are experiencing. But both of you are all about, I'm going to do this thing, and I'm going to do it by on this date, and it's going to be great or not. And both of you are forward-looking, even though you, if you're a one, are tethered to the present moment, and threes are in the future. They're just in the future. So one of the things you could be mindful of is if somebody says, how'd you feel about last week? And you can't remember last week, then you're a three. And if you know exactly what happened last week and what went wrong and what went right, then you're a one on the Enneagram. So I just watched the Know Your Number Ones video Mm -hmm. this past week. And I love that you, one of the ways you described ones is that they move through life in a measured way. Mm I feel like threes are less measured than than no, ones. No measure. No measure. <laughs> it is a great example of two numbers that might, from outside looking looking in, look similar. Because but internally is, yeah, just so night and day different. Night and day. So. Absolutely night and day. And another thing that you say that ones do not do, that threes do very, very well and almost need to do, is multitasking. That's a real big one because threes can't, can't not multitask. They are ineffective and inefficient if they're not multitasking, and ones are ineffective and inefficient if they are. If you ask a question to a three and a one, a three can answer it probably on the spot, yep. give you an answer, and one needs time. Yep. Even if, even if they whatever answer they come up with a spot is the answer they're going to give you, yeah. they still got to kind of... Do it. Run that by mm-hmm. themselves. So I, I've used this story about my dad on uh, at other times. My dad was a one. And uh, when I was growing up, he at times was the only doctor in the community that we lived in and worked a lot. And um, he would come in and uh, just get out his fishing tackle box and kind of go through it and check the lures and check the lines and stuff and I watched him do that from as long as I can remember. And then he'd come in the next day and say to my mom, do we have anything at the cleaners that we need to pick up? And um, are, are the gentlemen who help us with the yard coming tomorrow or the next day? And finally I got old enough to say to my mom, what, 
what is this? And she said, well, he's decided he wants to leave early to go to Lake City, and he's trying to talk himself into it. And it's like a three who decided they were going early to Lake City would come home and say, we're leaving tomorrow morning. So let's let's get it together and get ready to pull out. And it took him several days to kind of talk himself into, I'm going to go earlier than I had planned. I just, I wish so many things for ones. Yeah. <laughs> Whitney, yesterday morning she says, um, apparently she got the email that, the one of her bucket list things is the Disney Princess Marathon or whatever. I don't know. That sounds about right. I'm so sorry, Whitney, when you hear this, and yeah. I butchered that, but everybody gets the point. And so then she knew that she was going to be on the video uh, interview with me later in the day. She's like, I'll ask Joel about it then. So she asked me, and we had just talked kind of about this a little bit, and I was like, of course, just what do you think my answer is going to be when you ask, Hey, next February, I really yeah. want to do this thing. Yep. 100 times out of 100, I'm going to say, absolutely do yeah. it. When we'll, we'll figure it out when time comes. Well, then she, it filled. And I was like, that's, let's learn from this. Yep. You pull the trigger. You mm-hmm. want to do this thing when it comes, when it happens, yep. do it. Yeah. And, and we'll Just figure it out. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that ones need somebody to help with that. You know, I'm I'm sure I'm sure my mom quietly was getting everything ready so that when he said let's go, she said, "Oh, I've already got the food together and we're ready. You want to leave? You want to drive half the way today? You want to wait and go tomorrow morning? What do you want to do?" I I um I wish a lot for ones too. And I you know, of all the numbers, it's got to be really hard. I think, to live with that, should I, is it okay, what's it going to mean, is it good, bad, is it good for everybody, is it like, it must be, discernment must be so hard for what they want to do for themselves. Yeah. 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 So let me ask you a question about being married to a one. Okay. If you said to Whitney, hey, there's this thing I want to do next February, and here's what it's about, and here's what it looks like. What What do you think about that? Would she say, yeah, go for it. We'll figure it out then. Or would she say, well, let's look at the calendar, and we need to think about that because February's. It, yeah, her response wouldn't be the same. We, I'm not going to get this right. We laughed about it, though, because I told her everything that I just told you that I told her. I was like, just do it. I was like, come on. She's like, well, I think that, you know, there's like a, a level of respect or I don't, I don't know what she said. This is not painting me in a great light here. She said something along those lines. And then she talked about, you know, it being, uh, you know, that it should be like mutual both ways. Yeah. And I said to her, I said, I know that it's not the same both ways. I know that I can't book a thing in February and tell you about it. Yeah. I'm telling you, you can. Yep. You have the, the spouse to do that. Yep. And we are not the same. We're not the same. We're not the same. Yeah. And and I think what couples have to learn is to respect we are not the same rather than respect. asking it to be both yes. the same yes. both ways. Exactly. Yeah. I don't, I'm not slighted by that at all. Yeah. And I'm not upset that I have to ask. Yeah. And, and my expectation of her is that mm-hmm. she doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like dad and I have been in a situation over the years, several times where we were somewhere 
already committed to being there for another day or whatever. And I just get to the point where I want to go home. And I say, can we go home tomorrow instead of Friday? Like, I, I'm just homesick. I'm, I'm done. It's been great. I want to go home. That is such a struggle for him to change the plan. Like, we, we already planned. Well, I don't know. I don't know if we can check out early. I don't know if we can get our money back. I don't know if we can. Uh, well, this I, is spot on with, oh, my, if you are not watching this series on the table, I'm not going to stop referencing because I'm not trying to sell you on this. But when we talked with, and you can find this clip, I think, on uh, your social media, and if not yours, then the LTM one. Yeah. Of, you know, the definition of conflict isn't confrontation right. for nines. It's whatever cha- Jenny said. It's what changes the plans. That's right. It's what changes. It's change and that they didn't expect mm-hmm. or want necessarily. Mm-hmm. And that is conflict. And that is disturbing the peace. And it's just, I want to go home. It's not. Yeah. People don't think that that's conflict for nines. And it is. And that is conflict for It nines. absolutely is. And if I don't say it and I'm not all in, that's conflict. Mm-hmm. So it's like the only thing to do is say it. Like I, and and he's getting better now. Like I'll say, are, are you kind of getting like, do you miss home? And he'll say, uh, <laughs> so, he, so you go to low two to get it done is what you're saying. <laughs> well, maybe <laughs> <laughs> that could be, that could be, you know, Oh, she is hot in here. Yeah, huh? exactly. Well, do you want me to turn the air on? Yeah. Sadie? Yeah. I'm getting better. If y'all haven't <laughs> noticed, I'm surrounded by people who say, do you want something to drink? I'm kind of thirsty. Oh, do you want something? Do you want water? My favorite (laughs) all-time moment of that between you and I, we were at church. We're sitting there, and I've got my bull in, and you look at me, (laughs) and Joey's there next to me. And you look, and you say, oh, I forgot to get a bull. And I looked at you, and I said, I didn't forget to get mine. (laughs) Opened mine up and started reading. And then had a good laugh and got yeah, up and went and got you a yeah, bolted, yeah, of course. Exactly. But. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. So there, I mean, I thought that, yep, I thought that was a home run right there yeah, that we did. Yeah. A little one, nine talk, three yep. talk. Good stuff. You're welcome, Ashley. Yeah. So thank you for the question. Yeah. We feel real good about <laughs> I know. I hope that's what you wanted. Because <laughs> we're feeling so good about all that we had to offer. Uh, all right. Let's see if we can follow it up with another one here from Tina. Hi, Susie. I'm Mrs. Tina. I'm an Enneagram 2, and I know you are as well. And you have mentioned several times on the podcast that often you find your work is to find or determine um, what is yours to do. And I wondered if you could say a bit more about what that looks like for you, what the internal dialogue sounds like. Um, etc. Because I certainly struggle in the same area and would love to know um, how you go about that. And then um, I am just a recent empty nester. And both my kids are now out of the home and I'm at home with my husband. And as I look back, I realize transitions have been very hard for me. Significant transitions have been very hard for me. And I wonder if that is common with a type two, and if you um, have any suggestions on ways I could better support myself during transitions. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Great, 
questions. Let's start with the transitions, and then I'll go back to what is mine to do. I think change is not so hard for twos unless it involves significant relationships. And relationship changes are very difficult for twos. And I think they are sometimes threatening. They bring into view, uh, if I'm not with you, if I'm not doing for you, if I'm not uh, aware of your needs, are you still going to want me? Um, One of the most important things that happened when my four children started leaving home was if they don't need me, are they still going to want me? That was a very big deal for me with each of the four. And, you know, you could talk about, well, they still need you. They're just away at school or whatever. Well, that's not what I was talking about. You'll understand that. And I think there is much greater freedom once you find out that your relationship is far more adaptable than you think it is. And if it's not adaptable, then you have work to do. Because relationships change with the change in growth, maturity, life stages. All kinds of things mean that there has to be movement and growth and change in relationships. And when you can't adapt to that, then there's something not healthy about the relationship. If this doesn't get easier for you in terms of being an empty nester, I would really encourage you to do a lot of Enneagram work, and I would encourage you to consider talking to a therapist just for a while about this is really hard for me, and I'm not sure why, and I want to be healthy about it because you don't want to start pulling at people to give you something that they no longer have to give. So that's one thing I would say about the thing. That's the thing I would say about that. Joel, you have anything to add to that? No, I thought that was great. I'm going to say something you already know, but the relationships aspect of the that being the focal point of the issue. Mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of times when I'm unhappy, and I don't know what, what the change has been mm-hmm. that I'm unhappy about. Mm-hmm. And so when it's easy enough to pin, like, okay, it, the relationship has changed here. Yeah, and it changes, like changes when you don't live with people anymore things change often for the better so look for all the good that's coming and all of that I remember my friend Carolyn had one sister has one sister and I remember her telling me a story about that her sister told her she was 18 months older than her sister and her sister told her that her mother cried every morning when she poured the orange juice for breakfast because there was one less glass of orange juice to pour. And Carolyn thought, well, uh, I'm here. Like, (laughs) I mean, Jean, I'm sorry, I got that wrong. Jean thought, Carolyn's gone to school, but like, I'm right here, and I I like orange juice. I'll drink two glasses. (laughs) What's like all of that emoting around the pattern differences that come with that? My experience wasn't, you know, I I don't pour orange juice in the morning. Yeah. That'd be a thing, wouldn't it? My mornings didn't change when my kids left. <laughs> Theirs did, but mine didn't. Um, so there's that. And um, uh, in terms of what is mine to do, it's interesting that you have those two questions in the same ask because that's a very good question for you to ask yourself now that you're an empty nester. 
because you have more time and more energy and more space to do something new. So let me tell you the criteria for what is mine to do. You start with, why am I, like my language would be, why am I moving toward this other person? So your language might be that, or it might be, why am I thinking about doing this thing? And that's a very important question because that's a precursor for. And as I enter into this process, what, if anything, do I expect to get in return? And then it's uh, a big question about what is it if I don't do it, nobody else can or will. There are things that I'm asked to do in my position in our community and in our church and in our ministry and in my, all, all around. There are things that I'm asked to do that other people can do. And I'm to a place where I have uh, limited time and I'm always choosing between good and good. And so one of the things that helps me know if it's mine to do is, well, if I didn't do it, who would? And uh, maybe nobody would. And maybe it doesn't need doing. And maybe it's mine to do. And I think the, the thing you have to work with the most as a two is that you don't just automatically sign up, raise your hand, go do it because you're an empty nester. Because you're going to get yourself into doing stuff you don't really want to do and then you're going to resent that and resent the other people and all that. So live into the emptiness for a while. Be alone. Uh, that's the best way you can get to know yourself. Have less to do in your days and see what that brings up for you. And then one of the things that we ask at our house a lot because I'm married to a nine and they don't, they don't follow this well if they don't have help. But what's the thing you've always wanted to do? Like it doesn't have to be some big thing that you're supposed to do to make the world a better place. Like what do you want to do? Twos have a very hard time answering that. But just do some stuff you want to do. Heck yeah. All right, this is our last question. And there's kind of, I, I apologize to the listener. I have to read this one. It, this one was written in. So I'll do my best. You're not a bad reader. I don't know why you do that preamble. I feel like I am. I mean, I feel like I'm a solid reader when I'm just reading to yeah, myself. But I think you do fine reading public out loud. reading. Uh, this person would like to remain anonymous, and so we're going to honor that. I'm a type six, and I'm struggling to understand my orientation to time being the present. I feel like I'm also oriented to the past as I remember details of the past, and I'm constantly looking back and thinking about how I could have or should have done things better. Yet, I also think a lot about the future and really like to plan ahead. I'm also married to an eight that we both thought that we were nines before attending your conference. We have four teenagers, and it feels like our personalities are clashing more. It seems he wants me to just trust him without details and information, and I need to know the plan in order to trust. Any tips on navigating this? Is anger the main response of an eight to being questioned or critiqued? Boy, that's packed. A lot isn't of stuff it? happening. Yeah, There's a so, lot happening there. So let's just go back. If you want to, unless you have a different uh, idea or way you want to go about this, but the first question: orientation to time is a six. Yep. And I'll say just real quick that I think it was my most recent, uh, the journey toward wholeness small group that uh-huh. we went through the study guide. Uh, it was a Zoom group, and we broke out into triads, and the five sixes and sevens. We were talking about how we all plan for the future 
all three of the, all three numbers, even though we're all we're all tethered differently. But the main thing that we all shared was that we plan. We plan for different reasons, but we all plan. So the the key word there is tethered. We're, you're tethered to the past, present, or future, but that doesn't mean you don't think about all three. So let me talk about the hang up for sixes in terms of the past. A high percentage of the time, your thoughts about the past have to do with things that you have struggled to forgive, let go of, or allow to fall away. Uh, forgiving yourself or forgiving other people or all, so watch for that. She says as much there, constantly looking back and thinking about how I could have or should have done things better. Mm-hmm. And so every, every human does that but they do it for different reasons. Sixes really, really struggle with forgiving and forgetting. First, forgiving and forgetting themselves, and then forgiving others. And uh, it's okay to not forget. It's not okay to not forgive. So you might want to work on that with the past. In terms of planning for the future, sixes have to plan for the future because... You don't measure time well. You generally have more to do than you can get done. And you want to do your part well. That's kind of a standard for sixes. I want to know what my part is, and I want to do it, and I want to do it well. But I can't think real fast and do it in the moment without some planning. And so people, aggressive numbers, your husband, I'm sure, is very impatient with you needing to know things ahead of time because they see you as competent and capable to do whatever's needed in the moment, and you don't see yourself that way. So don't work on... um, Orientation to time is an important way for us to talk about it in the bigger sense, but being tethered to the present moment looks like this for you as a six. Whatever you have planned can get set aside for whatever comes up right in front of you that matters to you or that's important. And that doesn't happen for numbers that are oriented to the past or to the future. It's very interesting because one of the, one of, you know, our friends, Mike and Patsy, have been our friends for years and years. Joe and Mike have been friends since high school. And Patsy's a six. And when our daughters and sons were getting married and we were doing wedding showers and baby showers and all of that we were each trying to take care of each other's kids as part of that and Patsy I don't even remember if it was for Joey or Jenny's shower wedding shower but she saw a picture in a magazine of a flower arrangement that she wanted to do for the shower and we live in Dallas Texas it takes a long time to get anywhere and she went all over Dallas looking for the vase that was like the picture and the flowers that were like the picture because she wanted to do this wonderful, wonderful thing. And I, I can't imagine how much time that took her. What I do know for sure is that the people that you're doing that for don't know how much you invested in doing that. And so what you get in return can surely never be, never match your investment. And so I, th- I think you need to not lean on your sickness, but lean into your sickness in relationship with an aggressive number and with an eight. 
And that means you got to lean into the things that you have to do to have peace, but don't lean on sickness as an excuse for not being able to make decisions quickly. Because in an emergency or when you need to, you do just fine. That sounds like part of the answer also for, you know, where she says, it seems he wants me to just trust him without details and information, and Mm -hmm. I need to know the plan in order to trust. Mm -hmm. Any tips on navigating this? You know, we're not there. Like you've gotten, you got four teenagers. You're however old you are. You've gotten to this point in life. Mm -hmm. Do you remember Odyssey of the Mind? Yes. Here is what you have. Here's the tools you have. Here are the parts. And you kind of got to do it yourself now. Yeah. And you can do it. Yeah. Four teenagers and all this stuff going on and you're doing personal work. I think in itself just lead to, uh, what'd she say? Our personality is clashing more. Yeah. You know, uh, listener earlier has 305. I don't know which one I'd want less to be a part of three kids under five or four teenagers. Four teenagers. Yeah. Hands down. I'd take three under five (laughs) over four teenagers any day of the week. That's just because you're further removed from the three under five. That could be. It's been a while. Is anger the main response of an eight to being questioned or critiqued? So anger is the main response of an eight. Like it's their default response. And it's because it's right there on top and it protects them from deeper feelings. It's just real accessible to be angry. And in fact, eights convert other things into anger. Like it's just so easy. And anger and other things. Uh, Joey and Alex said that that's, how they change the world. Yeah. That, that is anger is the fuel that they use to get things done. That's right. And so I want to challenge you though on anger. Is it anger or is it sometimes impatience or is it, I don't have time to answer your questions right now. Uh, like it can be a lot of things that aren't just anger that feed the clash. So don't, if it looks like anger, don't necessarily name it anger. There are a lot of kinds of anger. Let's look at, yeah, I was about to say, uh, let's, Pull out rungs yeah. two and three yeah, there, there on, the, on the feeling exactly. wheel. Exactly. Lots of kinds of anger. So there's that. The other thing is I sometimes think impatience that looks like anger from an eight can actually be respectful. And you were kind of talking about that, Joel. Maybe your husband thinks you don't need the plan. You know how to do all this. And I don't have time to tell you the whole plan right now. And that's respecting what you were saying, Joel, that you you can do this. Look what you do. So then I would say, is is the issue not getting your questions answered and all of that? Or is the issue not feeling like you have a full voice in the plan? And that's a different discussion. Good luck with that. And we'll be thinking about you, too. We're, we're done. We're done with our day of recording now. Oh, good. Okay. So anything you want to say signing off? Yeah, kind of. Do it. All right. I'm really excited about the table. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about the Enneagram journey and the whole new, all the good new work around that and how people can find it. And I'm I'm really excited about August and the work we're doing for that. I, I'm just kind of whipped up right now about all, all the stuff. We're back with a lot of good new work and it's exciting. And I just hope everybody's going to, be where we are and join us doing what we're doing. Okay. It's exciting stuff that's happening right now. Yeah, it is. Um, while we've been recording, you know, I've got the two computer screens up and, yeah. you know, doing stuff and emails pop up and uh, summer shout out to Kimberly in Richmond, British Columbia, Canada, 
who is going to join the online option of from intuitive to intentional. Oh, that's great. Nope. Reverse that from intentional to, to intuitive. intuitive. It's okay. Uh, and that's, that's the thing that I definitely love the most. One of the things I love the most mm-hmm. uh, from the past two years is all the people that are joining in on things from Canada, yep. from Australia, Singapore, of course, we love y'all. Yeah. Uh, and the other big ones are over Canada and Australia right now and some UK action and Ireland. Yeah. So. Well, and not only that, but we, I think the books now are the, between the three of them are in like 18 languages. Bunch of languages. Yeah. Yeah. So I like, I, I'm, I'm starting to wear internationally known. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Exciting times. Yeah. It'd be great if I spoke more than one language, wouldn't it? We're just going to stick. Your accent is so heavy that I think <laughs> it's we, like, it's, two. Yeah, yeah, we just got to stick with with the English English. She speaks English and panhandle <laughs> and louder. And she speaks louder. Uh, yeah. So and softer. French, German. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. And uh, thank you all for your questions. Send them in. We're going to, I think after this now, clear the whole, is it called the cache? Cache? C-A-C-H-E. I think it's cache, but I could cache. sure be wrong. Yeah. Or either way, we're going to empty the mailbox and, um, you know, start fresh. And so keep coming with the questions. And thank you all. And uh, hopefully we'll see you in, let's see here, Denver's coming up. I don't know when this podcast is going to go out, but we haven't gone to Denver yet. Right. Charlotte. Yep. San Francisco. Yep. So those are going to be. August in Dallas. And August in Dallas is going to be. It's dynamite. a winner. So hopefully we see you there. If not, thank you so much for your support. Keep listening to the podcast. Leave a review. Leave a rating. That's helpful. Tell your friends about it. And uh, yeah, and have a great, great day. Yeah.